the screen flashes. Mm -hmm. Then the report starts. Yeah. So that was a slow one. <laughs> what happens in the software is the first part of the call when the recording is not happening is yeah. between our, our two computers are linked directly knowing each other's IP address. Yeah. Okay, but when the recording is done, that's done by uh, Skype's hardware. Ah, and so sweet. they have to reconnect so that now you're talking to Skype and Skype is taking and recording and sending it signal back to me so now we've got a slighter delay so i thought that i would mention that to you okay okay so anyway uh stephen welcome i'm glad to make friendship with you yes uh, thank you, you for having just, yeah you, you just uh were saying that you had been doing a 21 day retreat was that on your own by your by yourself or in in a community no sorry i it was 25 days there were two separate retreats actually but there was only a few days in between i started with the the 10 10 day guenka which i'd done before and and then i went into a 15 day mahasi noting uh retreat i never had heard of this technique before actually i mean i heard of it but i've never practiced it so uh yeah, this was that was in the space. I think it was in the space of 27 or 28 days, but it was a 25-day retreat. Okay. In, if you say to take them both together, let's say. All right. So um, you've given me quite a lot of information about the Mahasi and the Goenka retreats that you that you've done, because I kind of know what's what's there. Yeah. Uh, there was actually, a, uh, we had kind of a dinner party last night mm -hmm. uh, with the guys that are here on Kopangan, the island. Uh, and uh, one of them who was a really old friend and an old Dhamma student, uh, he was just recently talking to one of the Vipassana teachers that we both know together. And that he put a particular sound or twist to it that made sense, but I'd heard it before. It's like I'd all kind of forgotten it. It was common knowledge, in fact. And that is, is that the two ways of practice, which is either the Vipassana or the Samatha, mm -hmm. is almost always the Samatha has to be practiced with the Vipassana in order to get the Samatha. But when the Samatha, excuse me, when the Vipassana is practiced only by itself and we don't do the right thing to go then with that insight into Samatha, then we're left in the place that all the students are left because they don't know that. So one then would be called or is under the reference of Anapanasati because that's the method that's taught through the breathing. Mm -hmm. that brings the mind into a state of the first jhana, which is a relaxed state. Mm -hmm. 
And with that way, we can gain even more insight, but we couldn't get into the first jhana without having that insight. Okay, the insight then is that we act, when we see something, that moment, in that present instant, we do something about it that is missing in the Goenka technique and in the Mahasi technique. Mm-hmm. Now, um, it it is also commonly known and common knowledge that this is a method, this Mahasi, because Mahasi was actually uh, Savadal, was Burmese, and so was Lady Savadal, which helped Ubaikin do the Goenka system. Okay, so they, so the whole Western mindset is, is that this is in fact Burmese, and mm-hmm. that then Anapanasati would be left for the Thai, but that's mm-hmm. actually not the case. the The idea of 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 a pasana kind of meditation is extremely old. And then, in fact, the uh, the discussion winds up right there in the suttas, in the Anguttara and the Kaya. I mean, it's that old. Mm-hmm. A discussion about how to practice. But it was not discussed in the time of the Buddha. That it became a later issue within two or three hundred years. Okay, now here's kind of the idea behind that is, is that the Samatha or the Salatha Vipassana together can only be done by monks and that lay people then are given what is called a shortcut method. Mm. Okay, now the shortcut method uh, means uh, something in, in regards to doing it within the Anapanasati context, it's the Dhamma Nupassana or it's the fourth tetrad or the fourth quadrat that the body the feelings and the mind are the first three and then the fourth one is the dhamma or Mm -hmm. the the smoke that comes out of the fire yeah okay um so uh with the complete anapana practice uh Anapanasati practice, uh, which, by the way, Gawenka doesn't do. He's got a particular way of doing something, and I'll discuss that in a moment later. Um, But it's an incomplete. It actually, of the 16 steps that we we think about, just logically, we add them up to 16. Um, Gawenka's method stops at step three, and that's the body scanning. And that's about all that they do, but they actually focus on that in a way that if you can get the mind focused on something like the body and scanning it and scanning it, then when an unwholesome thought comes up, when a hindrance arises, what we can do is to come back and continue to focus on what we've got and um, let the hindrance subside. That doesn't work very well. <laughs> and not only that, um, but it's got a missing ingredient of dealing with the hindrance directly. It's more of trying to uh, think of that the, all those distracting thoughts are background thoughts. 
And then, in fact, even when I put it over to the side like this, and then I focus here and want to focus here, really what's going on is that I want to stay here, but I go and I look at that. And then I come back and I stay here and then I look at that. This is exactly mm -hmm. what Goranka is talking about. When the mind wanders away from the breath, never mind, start again. Mm. You've heard that? Okay. Yes. This sure. is exactly what we're talking about here. That when the mind wanders away from what, our, what we're working on, the breath, then never mind, just come back to it. Mm. But most students don't do that. What they do is, is that somehow or another, they wind up fussing at themselves and continuing a whole lot more hindrances rather than actually coming back to the breath. There's a missing link in there. Exactly, yeah. This is, yeah, this is what happens most. If people don't have the capacity to be able to, to bring their mind all the time back there. Okay. So I've heard you, I've heard you speaking about this is also why I was was very interested about this particular in this particular issue about that that's what's missing in in the Mahasi also that we are going towards our we stay in the hindrances but we want to come out of the hindrances and make the mind in the gladdened state in the, in a delightful state and this is what I, this is what I I'm interested in because I I don't seem to be able to bring myself also in my own practice now it okay. seems to be it seems to be exactly what you're saying there exactly like this good i'm glad that we're on the same page with that so that we can continue <laughs> right along here yes. uh yeah this actually everybody goes through this kind of stuff every one of us goes this this is not something that's unique every student thinks that my problem is mine nobody's seen the trouble i've seen and everybody feels unique in their suffering and sorrow <laughs> and in fact no we all do the same thing the suffering is universal <laughs> it is absolutely human universal uh, and what that really means is is that the attitude that we have is a critical attitude Mm -hmm. And we keep that critical attitude. And when we're also able, if we can, to keep an object, we put a lot of work into doing that, which is not right, noble effort. Right, noble mm -hmm. effort is just the smallest amount of effort necessary to actually get the job done. And yet most meditators, Western meditators, Gawanka, Mahasi are, are, are the two big ones that, um, and here we have someone who knows a bit about both of them, will begin to see that they're very, very similar. Mm -hmm. uh, but that um, this shortcut is the, the basic issue because some important things are done um, along the way. And that is, is that we actually learn to control the mind with the breathing mm -hmm. so that later we can deal directly with the hindrance with the mind is fit for work. That basically the mind is not fit for work to deal with these hindrances. That's why we keep wallowing in them there. We see them over and over again, which is more of the Mahasi style of noting yep and noting and seeing dukkha, see this is dukkha, and then look at it again, and then get really into it. And that some people in that practice go right to the rock bottom. 
They go down deep in dukkha as they possibly can, digging through it. It's like they, they've turned their whole paradise into their own private city dump. Is that what they call the dark night? I guess that's what's been labeled now, mostly in the... Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, that's actually Christian, but... The idea is that it things are desperate, helpless, hopeless, that whatever yeah. it was that I had planned on getting out of here with, whatever ladder there was I was looking for, all I kept getting was a shovel. Yeah. Now, I know it was okay. coined by St. Francis of Assisi, I think it was, but, but yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he was the originator of the saying, and, but I, I feel like it's now been... Actually, it was St. John of the Cross. Oh, St. John, sorry, St. John. I mixed them up, yeah. But the so, important point is, is that um, uh, at least with the modern evidence of uh, uh, Mother Teresa, mm. she, after, after her death, they pulled out her memoirs and those things got published. And uh, uh, Christopher... Higgins or somebody like that, who was uh, Hitchens, who was an author, had already uh, royally condemned her for her public display of greed and avarice. Now these uh, documents, all of these memoirs of hers over the years came to find out that she'd spent all of that time in the dark night of the soul. As defined by Jesus, I've been talking to you all these years and you haven't answered me once. Where the hell are you? Oh, she's expected some kind of hallucination to validate her faith. And she didn't get it. Uh-huh. Okay. And if Jesus is not going to answer her, what's the point? And so this is the dark night that she fell into. And it's the state of hopeless. That where's my Jesus when I need him? <laughs> okay. And this is... Actually, if you look at it, this dark night of the soul is because the meditation student has been placed in a kind of a special condition, something like isolation, solitary confinement, there with a whole lot of other people. Actually, it's a fault solitary confinement. Uh, when you don't talk, you don't get your cell phone, you don't get this, that, or the other thing. You get a hard bed to sleep on. Okay, beginning to sound like prison, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then you're given a method that basically boils down to... Daddy? Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Dinner has arrived. <laughs> so, do you want me to leave you to eat your dinner? No, 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 no. Okay. I'm not going to. I'm not in the mood right now. Anyway, this is. Uh, okay. But it it will be there, and so. Um, getting getting back then yeah. to the the shortcut method of vipassana. <laughs> Um, versus doing the long method of getting the mind fit for work is basically the question. 
but it can be stated in many different ways. The one way that I was mentioning it is there is the monk's way and then there's the layman's way. There mm. is the long method, which is actually not long in duration. It's just got more intricate parts to it, more skills, in fact, to be developed. But the time that it takes is about the same. Yeah, I will. I will mention that I, I, I did practice. I have been practicing some, also some samatha method before I ventured into the the vipassana realm there for a while. My my practice was samatha, but I feel like I didn't have enough guidance and. Yeah, I was just stretching different. I I never could get a, a good concentration level or a tranquility or peace. Let's say, or it was always what you were talking about, going towards back and forth kind of thing. Okay, um, that's because even then you did you didn't remove the hindrances. Yeah, exactly. And and so it was still not correct practice. Yeah, exactly. That um, the the suttas, several of them, are very, very intentionally clear about it. And the Majjhima Nikaya is the one, is the book that I use mostly. And I've got the book and at least portions of it kind of memorized. So in sutta number 19, there that sutta, the name of it is Two Kinds of Thought. And there the whole sutta is about coming out of unwholesome thoughts, whacking the mind, in fact, to come out of the unwholesome thoughts and keep the mind steady into wholesome thoughts. Okay. Then in the sutta number 117, which is the exposition on the Eightfold and Noble Path, it mm -hmm. goes into more detail about this, that one's right noble effort is to change those thoughts from unwholesome thoughts to wholesome thoughts. Okay, to change them. Okay, so in both of these suttas, it's used the word wholesome versus unwholesome, or kasala versus aikasala. And that uh, in the Anapanasati Sutta, which by the way, the Anapanasati Sutta number 118 is a companion to 117. Because in the way of the Eightfold to Noble Path is actually the way to practice, and we use Anapanasati as that method of practicing the Eightfold to Noble Path. And therein, we have that right view comes first. Okay, mm -hmm. and what right view is, in, at least at the ordinary level, is, is that we actually do see that we have some responsibility of the mess that we're in. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the next step is the sati, which is referred to as mindfulness, but it misses its punch or power. The word sati means to wake up. Just like, like you wake this, up in, in the this morning. Moment, you mean, like to come, to to come in, to, to come into this moment, to, to actually draw back out of the bog of the fog or the mind and mm -hmm. look at what the mind was just doing to wake yeah. up to the thoughts that we're having. Mm -hmm. Okay, which is actually the, the Mahasi technique right in and there. Yeah. To keep watching and noting these thoughts to see what they are. Okay. Yeah. But they missed the next step, which is the step three, 
in the Eightfold Noble Path, and that is to take the right effort to change those thoughts to wholesome thoughts, mm -hmm. which, which is a different practice than trying to ignore them by focusing or concentrating on something else. So can I ask you a question? So I, I mean, I maybe you're going to get onto it anyway, but how does that, how does that process work in a way like the, how do we go from if there's an unwholesome thought arising, do we put a wholesome thought in place or we just bring it back to the breath or sir, what, what, how do you do, how is the process there? This is a common question for the beginners. Mm -hmm. And, and the answer to that is that if you know that this thought is unwholesome, you can figure out a way to improve it. Any thought that you have can be improved. And if you come to a thought that's so more magnificent that it can't be improved, then that requires celebration, which is in <laughs> fact improving it. <laughs> and we actually want to get to that level of celebration. That's the level of pity, to be able to celebrate the fact that we actually have some control over our minds now. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's part of the Anapanasati practice that is not taught generally in the Mahasi method. But Mahasi himself did. That in fact, there's an old video on um, Guru Viking where Dan Ingram and I discuss this. And Dan's the one who brings out the text of Mahasi to show I that Mahasi does. What's a bit of it, yeah. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about, that, the, that, that Mahasi is not a method, it's a label that has been kind of wrongly placed on it, but yeah. the word Vipassana is closer. Yeah. Okay. And yet in the suttas in many other places, it says that if you have Vipassana and you don't have Samatha, then you need to develop Samatha. If you have Samatha, but you don't have Vipassana, then you need to develop Vipassana. And yeah. if you don't have either one of them, which is where most people are, then they may be developed together, or they should be developed together correctly, because that's the direct path to take mm -hmm. both of them at the same time. Which is, by the way, into the Satipatthana Sutta, number 10, where the, the Satipatthana Sutta is where Goenka and Mahasi people kind of live. That's their Sutta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of gathered that from some of the reading that I've done about this. Okay, so uh, in in the Satipatthana Sutta, right at the beginning, it says um, that oh, how to say it? I've forgotten it. <laughs> uh, oh, the, the the path is a straight path. A direct path. Mm. Okay, Ekamaga. The path is a one path. Okay, it does not have twists and turns. And the idea is, is that mostly we go in a crooked path. We have to go the byway 
And and the example of that is is that you want a girl, you got to buy a car, a chick magnet, and then you can get a girl with it. Okay, you see how absurd that is. But you you can't go from A to C. You've got to go from A to B to C. Uh huh. Okay. And that the whole idea of the Buddha's teaching is to go both directly. To go directly from A to C. This is what's meant by the combination. And the mistake that's made along the way is, is that that means then uh, that the Vipassana becomes the predominant one, or even that it becomes a shortcut rather than having both of them together. Yeah. Okay. So another way of saying it would be like a bird needs both wings to fly well. Mm. Yeah. Okay. If we can get that, then we can say, okay, these things need to then to be developed. And the key issue is taking the right effort to do that balance. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the way that we, we do that is through the right effort. Now, we've talked about wholesome and unwholesome thoughts. In the Anapanasati Sutta itself, it has a different language that it's speaking. In some suttas, it talks about obstructions of the mind, um, pernicious uh, proliferations, uh, hindrances, mm-hmm. unwholesome thoughts, okay? And they've got the list of them with various ways of recognizing being free from hindrances. It's like being out of debt. You don't owe anybody anything. But when mm-hmm. we're in the hindrances, we want something, and so now we're indebted to get it. Yeah. Okay, so this is how we uh, begin to understand what the hindrances are, because most of the thoughts are like that. But the interesting point, the Anapanasati Sutta refers to this process as gladdening the mind. Mm-hmm. Now, gladdening the mind in the sense of gladdening the state of mind which means in another way of talking about your attitude. To begin to change the attitude from an attitude of this is hard and oh, what the heck is this into, hey, I got this. I can do this. I got it. Okay. And so that gladdening process is also the changing of the unwholesome thoughts about hard and difficult and I feel you know, I didn't get enough out of it, being dissatisfied with our practice and all of that is very common in the Mahasi method. That's mm-hmm. what brings on that thing that they call the dark night of the soul, which really is, um, it comes out of the 16 stages of insight. And basically by, by looking then at the dissolution of everything, when you get your mind so focused and so clear that you can see that everything that's arising is simultaneously falling apart from something else, and that this is a twisted cycle where everything falls apart. Entropy, the law of entropy, and when you get your mind so absorbed in the law of entropy, all you find is fear. Yeah. All you find is misery, disgust, despair. And with that despair comes a strong longing to get out of it, 
which means now we're back to square one. That's why we started meditation in the first place, because we had a strong longing to get out of something. Yeah. Away we got some kind of rock bottom. We knew for finally that, hey, I'm in a pit here. How do I get out of it? Right. Okay. So what that means is that we're doing that big time. We have really hit a kind of intellectual rock bottom. But out of that strong desire to get out of it, step 11 becomes they redoubled their efforts. Ta-da! They come finally to the continuance of the actual Eightfold Noble Path. They've been doing step one and step two for so much, and they've gotten themselves into quite a hell state over it because they haven't bothered to take the effort to come out of it every time. Uh-huh. Every moment, every time, every time there's dukkha, we only need to see it just well enough to recognize it, even from a distance. That if, in fact, if you can see the dukkha coming from a distance, you can easily avoid it. Mm-hmm. You can stand off of the road when that car comes by with all that water splashing. Okay, you don't have to stand there and get wet. Yeah. Or you don't have to be cold and peel bad because you did get wet, which is no, which is what we were talking about with the uh, the Goenka method. Is the students don't like the fact that they can't control their mind to keep it on an object. Yeah. And that raises then a whole lot of extra effort that's not needed, and a whole lot of disappointment because all of that effort they put in is not yielding the kind of results that it ought to. Mm. So upon that foundation, now we can begin to see that this practice of removing the hindrance, whatever it is, can we see this as a hindrance in the sense of, is it hindering me from feeling the way that I want to feel? I've heard that this is a paradise. Where's the paradise? The answer is, it's a mental attitude. And Mm -hmm. so you start developing the mental attitude of paradise that we come out of our victimhood, we come out of our loser's position. We were all born a loser, every one of us. An infant is not going to march down the stage triumphantly holding armor. No, not a tender infant. We can't even hold our own bottle. (sighs) Right? We are all victims. We are born as a victim, and as we're raised, mommy and daddy make sure we understand that you belong to them. They own your butt. (laughs) (laughs) And we don't like that in a bit, and so we rebel in all kinds of things, causing all kinds of troubles for ourselves by staying, even though we don't like it and resent that we were a victim as a child. We stay Mm. that victim as adults we don't fully grow up and mature into our own big daddy human being most people don't they stay kids their whole lives in the sense of being a victim to government being victim to big business being uh to to big education uh and most of all big religion We're Mm -hmm. victims of these things. They manipulate us. The government with their politicians, they want you to vote this, that, and the other way. And so they either give you a carrot or get you with a stick. (laughs) 
And so we're controlled by whatever um, we've got built in that can be referred to, by the way, as confirmation bias. Uh-huh. That we find evidence of what we already agree with. Yeah. Okay. And so if we find the thoughts agreeable, then we'll keep them rather than finding them actually unwholesome. Because when we start identifying these thoughts as unwholesome, then I can get rid of it. So long as I find it agreeable, in other words, that I agree with the the concept that I'm a piece of crap. (laughs) (laughs) Because that fits into my uh, world view kind of thing. It fits into my... uh, um, uh, Basically, right view. Ordinary right view is what we're talking about here. This set upon by a lot of rights, rules, rituals, supposed tos, and some promises built in. This, in fact, is the law of karma. Mm-hmm. Those that reject the law of karma then would be called those of wrong view, and they have the attitude, I can get away with it. And the ordinary right view come along and says, no, we're going to make sure that you can't get away with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, but the Buddha says that there's a different kind of view. The noble view is actually not conceptualized or um, based upon experience, but is only based upon right here, right now, looking, investigating, rather than concluding. That we've come to enough conclusions. And we've gotten such amount of trouble by coming to all of these conclusions that almost all of the conclusions, the data has changed on the input, but the conclusion remains the same. And so now the conclusions are not matching the new data. It's better to throw the conclusions out and take another look. This is the right noble view. And when we pound on it like this from the perspective of the Eightfold Noble Path, we find out how important it is to keep looking, to keep looking right here, right now, what's going on right here, right now. That in fact, noting takes far too long. Mm. And not only that, takes another part of the mind, the the noting part actually is uh, perception rather than observation. And so we, we name it. This is the stage in Paticca Samapada they call Nama Rupa. Mm. The Rupa is the right. The Rupa is actually what we're looking at. And then the Nama is the naming of it or the uh, labeling. Mm. So it can actually, even though it's an aid to, to get going, it can eventually get in the way. So but the important thing is to keep looking, to keep looking. This is an important thing. And then we can, by looking at a kind of thought, we can begin to recognize, is this, is this a thought worth having? Is this a thought that's wholesome or not? Now, we can give some guidelines. One guideline would be if it's in the past. If I'm thinking about something that already happened, if I'm thinking about a friend who's already died, These are thoughts of the past and almost always are going to be unwholesome. But you can, in fact, change that from the friend or the family member who died in the sense of regret, remorse, and all of that. We can celebrate 
but they were our friends. We could celebrate, but I remember the good things about him. Mm. Change that mind, change our thoughts from unwholesome thoughts about the guy who died into wholesome thoughts about the guy who died. Yeah. Okay. Or we're thinking about the future. But who knows what the future is going to be? And in fact, we, that's why we have plan B's over and over again, is because nothing ever goes to plan. So why <laughs> make plans so much? Just basic yeah. bare bone plans, like maybe tomorrow is far enough. <laughs> <laughs> and the day after tomorrow, I haven't a clue. <laughs> <laughs> no idea, no idea. Okay. Um, and that's the time frame, by the way, that, that it was done in the time of the Buddha. They didn't have clocks, but they had today. Let's deal with today the way that we deal with today and let tomorrow be, we'll do the same thing then. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the, thought, the thoughts of the future then can probably be unwholesome. All because it's not real. Is not here. The future is not yet to be. Who knows what it will be? The past is dead. So why dwell in the past? And if we do either the future or the past, let's do it wholesomely. But better still, let's come back to right now. And then we can come to here. We don't have to have thoughts about New York. If we have thoughts about New York. Let's have wholesome thoughts about New York. And then we don't have to come to go to New York anymore in the mind. Yeah. We don't have to conceptualize the world in the sense of places that don't exist and come back into the world of our senses. But if you can't see 50 meters from here, then your world is less than a uh, radius of 50 meters. Mm. Okay, That's just the way that it is. Uh, and so that's though marvelous because most of the worries and cares that people have in the world are in a conceptualized, constructed world within their own mind, not the reality of their senses. Yeah. So that's the sati, is to come wake up to the real sensual world that has a functioning mind to be investigated, a functioning body to be investigated, and a whole bunch of weird things called feelings to be investigated. <laughs> <laughs> that's enough. That'll, that'll keep us going. <laughs> Ah, yes, that's the whole point of it is, is that that's the Anapanasati that is all cut off and people go directly to the Vipassana, starting with the Nietzsche. Mm. Okay. That's the difference, is, is that we go looking for the Nietzsche and all we find is the Dukkha. So it's almost like a trick or a trap. And there's a further part of it, the, ex the actually exit to the trap, the tunnel out of that prison, is already well defined. So why do we put the students through enticing them to get entrapped and then let them find the, the, the exit hole? What's the point of that? Uh -huh. Okay, and what is the exit hole? It's back to removing the hindrances out of the mind when they're found, when they're located, when they're known. So this is the, that's the, that's the, the way out in this present moment to remove this hindrance. And, and we do, you do, see, do you see um, good qualities or like a valid reason to use the noting 
if if we're removing the hindrances, like, or would you, what what like, would you use the Maha 